Hey, Jane Transit audience, welcome back to another episode of Jane Transit's COVID Confessions One Year Later. Oh my Lord, this episode, please make sure that you are sitting down, you have a pen and paper. I had the privilege of speaking to two of my friends, both um, licensed clinical psychologists, Dr. Ajwa Osei and Dr. Sarenka Albert. And after a little bit of a kiki, At the beginning of the podcast, we got down to business talking about how to uh, design our best lives as we come out of COVID. I hope that you all enjoy. And as I said, take some notes and I'll see you on the other side. Where are you going with this? What are you talking about? What's off limits? What are we talking about today? That's a good question. What you got going on? What you got going on, sis? What you trying to get to into tonight on the podcast? I'm here to talk about mental health and the pandemic. Well, that's what I thought too. I was like, what? what's off limits about that? I don't know. And that podcast audience are my two guests. I am so excited. <laughs> To have this conversation with two of my dear friends who also happen to be amazing licensed psychologists. And so why don't we go ahead and get started. We're going to be talking about mental health and the pandemic and how they not only help transform some of their client lives, but also any transformations they had in their own life during this period. So why don't we start with Dr. Osei? Hi, hi, everyone in podcast land. I'm so excited to be here and have this dialogue with two dear friends. Um, My name is Dr. Adjo Say. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist practicing virtually, and I also have a private practice in Brooklyn, New York. Awesome. And Dr. Albert? Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Sorenka Albert. I'm also a clinical psychologist. I'm in private practice in Forest Hills, Queens. I'm currently practicing virtually, though, so I can be wherever you are. Um, and um, I, you can follow me on Instagram. My name is Dr. Sarenka, S-U-R-R-E-N-C-A. Awesome. Well, that is as formal as I'm going to be tonight um, because y'all are my friends. So I'm going to say, hey, Ajwa, hey, Sarenka, if you don't mind. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Great. So we know 2020 has been tough. um, And I know you two ladies prior to 2020 had been making some steps into um, private practice. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey, um, about how you got there and what kind of twists and turns the journey took um, when the world shut down. Um, So that we're not talking over ourselves. Dr. Albert, do you want to start? Sarenka? Sure. Um, actually, uh, I made a major transition during the pandemic because, um, originally I was taking the route of, um, just (laughs) hustle mode (laughs) where I was teaching, you know, at at a college. I was also, um, teaching in Haiti Mm. virtually, and I was also working part-time, you know, And then I was also working in private practice. And, you know, with the pandemic, I felt that a lot of all of that happening during the pandemic was really difficult to manage on a personal level. And I didn't want it to affect my work. And I just and 
<clears throat> I just started to realize that there were certain things that were priorities as far as my mental health. Like mm -hmm. I can't preach mental health while I'm out here with straight up functional anxiety running all over the world <laughs> trying <laughs> to save the world. So, you know, it kind of forced, kind of put things in perspective for me where I recognized that I needed to slow down a little bit. I needed to be able to be present for myself and also be present for, you know, people I want to work with in, an, in a way that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and I saw how much our people, like, you know, people of color were starting to really destigmatize mental health and recognize the impact that it has and also recognize um, a difference in how you talk to someone, a therapist uh, that shares a, a race or that shares a culture and the nuances that come up in these conversations during therapy. So that was always my kind of um, <clears throat> plan as right. far as like what I wanted to do moving forward in life. Like it was always my life plan, but I decided to take a leap because I was always, you know, being of, of Haitian culture, it's like, you gotta have a job, you have to, you know, have a paycheck and have a pension. Like everything has to kind of be standardized, but right. the idea of being an entrepreneur was not one that my parents really pushed on me. So it seemed like a big risk and it just seemed so unconventional. But I also recognized the kind of work I wanted to do and like in the kind of way I wanted to work. So I did take a leap of faith and transition into private practice. And, you know, it's been it's been really, really, really rewarding, to say the least. That is awesome. And uh, Ajwa, what what has your journey looked like? Yes, yes. So similar to Sarinka, you know, private practice have been something I've been contemplating for a while. And I've been doing it part time, you know, and there's that mentality of kind of wanting stability. So it's like, stay with your city job, you know, don't go into private practice. Like, it does seem like this, you know, fearful thing that you're questioning, okay, how like, am I going to make it? Um, and so it was really strange during the pandemic to be just personally feeling like a mess, not knowing what's going on, being mm -hmm. anxious, you know, being depressed and not having access to things, you know, that really nourish me and, and, and kind of help me get through the week. And at the same time, it was also a time where things were moving forward professionally, you know, so right. personally, everything's feeling like a mess, but professionally, you know, things are happening, you know, pretty quickly. And so one of the things I realized, you know, during this was just having to tap into like, really, what do I want my days to look like? Because spending so much time kind of at home, having more time to think, not having those distractions I used to have before was just realizing like, I don't need to live this life of going from this job to this job and rushing here and not having time for this. And I started to value just my personal time and wanting to have more control. And this just also seeing how employers, like how little value was placed on human life, you know, mm. workers mm -hmm. being seen as disposable, people on the front lines. And so, again, it just made me really want to kind of reclaim some of that power. And through mentors and, you know, Sarinka and other supportive people like you want to in my life, you know, just talking about it and really being able to dream it and seeing that this could be a possibility being home allowed me to kind of really plan and like take those steps that I had been wanting to do for a while. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. And I'm proud of both of you. Um, anybody I could recommend to you, I do. So 
because I do admire um, that not only do you walk the walk, but you do talk the talk because you all are, you know, both of you are implementing a lot of work that you also do with your clients. So not, you know, to break any confidentiality, but what have been some of the challenges that you have faced uh, or that your clients have faced that you've helped them through during this time? Dr. Sarenko? Hmm, that's a really great question. <clears throat> I think it's been really varied, to be honest. Um, hmm. I feel like a lot of people are, because of quarantine and having to stay home and having limited access to our distractions, people mm -hmm. have really had the opportunity to face themselves Mm. And, and have a lot of moments of stillness, which is unsettling, especially for people of color. Um, I, so I think one thing I definitely have had a lot of conversations with people about, and also I had to internalize for myself, is the concept of stillness, like mm. not just resting, like actual stillness, you know, because I think that there's like a distinction um, where resting, you can sit back and watch TV, play on your phone, but you're not resting. You're actually still, your mind is still going, you're trying to distract, distract yourself. I'm, I, I often talk about stillness and using that as a way to tap into yourself girl grab me <laughs> why are you trying to describe my life Sarinka? okay drag me Ooh, I feel i'm saying it's so real and i had to have that conversation with self as well you know so and and recognizing myself that i'm i'm not still i'm uncomfortable with stillness stillness causes me to start to think about, you know, what I should be doing and where I should be and where I, where I, what I need to be doing. And, you know, I try to fill up that space instead of allowing my body to speak to me, instead of allowing, you know, my circumstances, my situation, my environment to give me indicators, to letting my senses kind of tap in and direct me and lead me. It's like, I'm trying to go somewhere and I'm just spinning in circles. So, <clears throat> For myself and also for my clients, that's, you know, one thing I talk about. I talk about creating a routine, like curating your life, mm. because I think a lot of our lives were dictated by our circumstances. Like, right. you know, you go to work, so you have to, your self-care ends up being being on the train for a half an hour and listening to music or, you know, picking up a cup of coffee on the way in or grabbing lunch with a coworker. Now all of that is, is taken away. So now you're at home and you have the opportunity of curating to a certain extent, those, those who were able to, to be home, mm -hmm. of now having to establish routine, establish different means of having connection with others, establish different means of socializing and feeling a part of community. And all of that is, was really, really difficult. And, right. and, and the other thing definitely was conversations about what it means to be black oh girl I feel like yeah. we're always having that conversation mm -hmm. yeah but you know I feel like it hit therapy different mm. okay. it hit therapy different in the sense that you know people are more receptive to the idea of white supremacy people are more receptive to talking about how much you know they recognize code switching and how much it messes with them even when in the workplace like people don't want to go back to work because they don't want to deal with these as per my email you know <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, exchanges where you have to do all this elaborate, like TI level code switching, you know, expeditiously in order to just convey a simple thought or having to police your hair, your nails, your jewelry, right? you know, the bass in your voice, how you style, you know, yourself what you what how you even the small talk you have oh my god i was about to say one of the things i dread the most is having to be open to small talk and acting like i give a fuck like i'm like i don't i'm sorry you went where great bye <laughs> this is it's why really difficult to meetings like literally if the meeting's at 10 30 i'm there at 10 30 10 31 10 32 because you don't have the same relationship at, at work, you know. So there's certain people that when I was when I was working, you know, with other people, it's like you have you know colleagues that you're closer to, and then other people, it's like, why are we doing this banter? Like, right. you don't care what I did the weekend. I don't really want to know what you did the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the that's the thing, you know. So you don't nobody wants to deal with that mess, and that's why everybody wants to kind of govern their lives differently. But it's about figuring out what that looks like. What right. do you, you yourself want your life to look like? How would you like to earn income? How would you like to, your day, like you said, Ajwa, what do you want your day to look like on a day-to-day? -day? Mm -hmm. Ajwa, did you see some of these things coming up with your um, clients? And were there, was there anything in particular that you picked up for yourself as you were um, also being a comfort to, to your clients? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely I agree with Sarinka. I mean, there was a lot of isolation. Um, I think that, you know, there was a lot of like relationship issues coming up, whether people were single or in a relationship. Um, you know, this unexpected, you know, we didn't even get time to really adjust. It was like one minute things were open, next thing things are shut down. And so there was a lot of like uncertainty, you know, not knowing what was going to be like day to day. You know, we also had people who had to go out. Um, to work or travel or what have you. Um, so there's a lot of fear about that. And there was a lot of anxiety, I think, that were just introduced into everyday interactions. All of a sudden, you're going to a grocery store and you feel like you're on, I don't know, some journey. Where, like, yeah, it's a know, fact. It's a fact. Know, it's like, you know, all these things you have to bring with, you know, your gloves, your this. And then, you know, also, um, you know, I'd come across this article which was talking about pandemic grief you know, and comparing, you know, what we're going through through the stages of grief, you know, and so whether you unfortunately knew someone who passed away or someone who was sick or whether it was yourself, but it was also kind of the collective grief, you know, seeing mm -hmm. this massive amount of suffering, people passing away, um, again, just not knowing day to day what was going to happen. Um, and I also think with being home more, especially I was noticing with clients who had a history of trauma, um, you know, and even for myself was feeling triggered more, you know, mm. before, you know, when I'm running and having, you know, a two hour commute or what have you to get to work and I'm doing this, I'm doing that, you know, I didn't really have that time to really be inward, you know, and, and be connected to what was going on through, you know, for me, it was easier to kind of ignore body cues or to ignore, ignore feeling like on alert or hypervigilant. Right. Um, but now there was kind of no escaping it. So I was like, what's this? I thought I worked through this mm -hmm. and now it's showing up in some other way, you know? Um, and now I'm also trying to help clients, you know, and for black and brown people, 
there were multiple pandemics. You know, we we're dealing yeah. with, you know, racial trauma, police brutality, you know, the pan- COVID-19 pandemic, lack of yep. access to healthcare. I yes. mean, white supremacy. It was just like white supremacy couldn't even take a break while no, we were no. dealing with the COVID pandemic, sure you know? You couldn't even just give us, you know, a few months. It's so it was just, you know, all of that at once. And I think for, you know, clinicians of color, we didn't necessarily get time to kind of process before we had to jump into a session. You know, I remember when um, the te- we'll call it a terrorist attack on the mm. Capitol. Okay, right. let's call it what it really is. Let's um, call it. Let's that. call please, it what please. it is. Let's do, please. Okay. That's not that's not a protest, a riot. That's a terrorist act of terrorism. Not even having time, you know, I woke up from a nap and I had to jump into a session. I'm like, what is going on? And then I'm seeing Mm -hmm. clients back to back, you know, in between sessions, I have a few minutes checking my phone, you know, just trying to make sense of it, but also trying to help my clients, you know, through what they were going through. Yeah, I remember that time too, because I was flying back from, from being abroad and I had, I think, like one day, like a long layover. So I was going to sleep over. But like, it was like I was flooded with emails as soon as, or text messages, actually, as soon as you um, turned on the, or got service. And people kept asking me, well, are you in DC? Are you in DC? Are you in DC? And I was like, I haven't been in DC in years. <laughs> <laughs> and the anxiety that I ended up paying, like, a G to be like, get me on the next flight. Like, oh what if goodness. I'm stuck here? Oh, oh wow. God. Yeah. It was, and I never actually, I mean, there, there is not a never, there's still time, but yet to this day, it's still very triggering um, to, to see how it's being handled, how people are talking about it. Um, and so I can completely understand how you, you, you have to be, you know, jump from one event to the other without even taking time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some of your biggest personal challenges and um, or just, you know, one doesn't have to be all of them. Um, and how did you decide to overcome that during this time? Mm. That's a, you said challenges, like a hundred things came across my <laughs> mind. What hasn't been challenging? Um, I think. Uh, like I was saying before, I think the biggest one for me was not having the distractions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not all distractions are bad. I feel like there were also just healthy things that I would do, things that I would look forward to that would just kind of help me, you know, with burnout, because some of the stuff we're dealing with can be really challenging, you know, when we're dealing with complex trauma, so you can have your own, you know, vicarious trauma. And so I think I was very good at kind of scheduling things or things I could look forward to. So that was a huge challenge of trying to just like rethink, like, how do I enjoy myself? But then also being virtually felt taxing. You know, you might mm-hmm. want to FaceTime somebody and all of a sudden you're just like, ooh, I don't have the energy to hold up the phone and mm-hmm. look you in the eye. You know what I mean? It's like you wanted to keep in contact with people. And so I started just being like, okay, what are other ways that I can be in contact with someone? You could send someone a meme. I've enjoyed starting making playlists. I made a couple yes. playlists for y'all in mind. Yes, um, you have. <laughs> uh, so that was a challenge. And then I would say another, oh gosh, let's see, brain fog. That was another challenge time because oh. I don't know what I was on before pre-pandemic, but somehow I was able to run around and do all these things, <laughs> write my notes, 
commute forever. Mm-hmm. And now I'm working from home thinking I have all this time and I could barely get out of bed. Like I'm not even waking up in time to walk my dog. It was just like, and so just kind of really rethinking how to stay connected with people and how to rethink time. Like I started realizing you need more breaks. You mm-hmm. can't function how you were pre-pandemic. There's no kind of going back. And so I had to to kind of think about where do I need breaks? Just realizing things are gonna take a bit longer, um, right. spreading things out. You know, I'm on the Serenka clean one thing a day method. It's been working so far. <laughs> it's been prescribed, it's working. And the last thing I did was also, you know, virtually I tried to connect, um, you know, in ways where I maybe didn't necessarily feel like I had to talk, like I did some virtual concerts, um, shout out to Mappy. She is, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She is a violinist who's amazing, plays mm. soca, reggae, hip hop, all kinds of music. And she did a virtual concert over Zoom. Oh, and so nice. it's nice to be connected with people around the world, you know, when we're feeling so isolated. And so I just realized I had to kind of, you know, be creative and realize, you know, rethink what this was going to look like. You know, what is self-care? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that because that was definitely a challenge for me is like, you know, we have our therapeutic therapeutic um, toolkit of like, oh, yeah, try this, try that, try this. And it's like I had shit because <laughs> everything in my bag was gone. So, you know, <laughs> and I couldn't give people a, yeah, well, let's see the silver lining because I'm in the same space watching CNN nonstop. <laughs> like, what did Trump do today? Oh, what is oh, going gosh. on? <laughs> you know, like, what are the shenanigans? Oh my goodness. So I think it was, it was definitely a challenge to be creative and, and redefine self-care um, and really also be creative in how to listen. Like, mm-hmm. I think this time around, it really made me realize how important it is to just give people space to just talk. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't have any, I don't have too much to offer sometimes other than my, you know, ears, just the support. And I think I underestimate how important that is. Mm-hmm. It is. Wow. Because I always want to do problem solving. Like, I, I don't just want to see my clients. I want to see you do well. Let's figure it out. Let's, let's do some CBT, put some psychodynamic in there. And then we're going to do. Girl. <laughs> Girl. All within 45 to 60 minute sessions. We are my are sessions are terrible. never 45 minutes. Okay. My sessions is always 60. Because I'll be trying to do the most with the least. Mm-hmm. And you know what but, I found? Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. Trigger. You're about to say nah, something. Nah, nah. No, that's it. I was just going to say listening has really been interesting. Just sitting back and giving people like a whole half hour and they just go on and on and on. And I sit back and I kind of like, you know, consolidated at the end. And that like somehow is like, whoa, yes. And I'm like, oh, I, that, was, that was good. You, yes. <laughs> <laughs> The superpowers of the listening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so Audrey, true. Yeah, it's so true. I was just going to, uh, you know, really strongly agree with that, like holding space for people. We don't always necessarily, you know, realize when you're in the thick of it, you know, that not everybody has a space where they can show up and just be present and have someone listening, be attuned, you know, connecting, you know, with them in that way. 
Um, and I also found uh, that I was, I'm not a big self-disclosure. I'm a very private person. Um, I'm looking at everybody like they're the feds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just, it's just not me. Like it's, I think culturally too, and just my family. So it's just very private, but I did find that I was self-disclosing more, you know, like you feel a mess. I feel a mess too. You know, I'm mm -hmm. having trouble getting out of bed. You know, I'm, you know, missing this, missing that. And so I did find that too was kind of another way to connect, you know, where appropriate was to let people know, like, I'm not going to pretend that I'm doing okay. Like right. I was struggling. I could not get haircuts. If you know me, haircuts are a form of my self-care. That's mm -hmm. part of my therapy, seeing my yep. barber. And for a while, I was just like, especially since we're doing virtual, like I can see myself in the video. And I was just like, you know what? I'm wearing head wraps. I don't care if this is professional or not professional. Like, I just had to rethink it. And I was just like, listen, y'all don't know what's going on under here. I feel you too. Right, right, right. I mean, I love that head wrap series, by the way. So, head wrap and mental health, hashtag yep. IG. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, you've both touched on this. We are in a different phase of. The various pandemics, some moving a little bit further than others. Um, but when it comes to the COVID-19 one that, um, you know, had us sitting at home, we're now going back to work. So what are some challenge, not challenges, but what would be some recommendations rather um, that you give to folks who are preparing to get back to work, whether it's the employee or the employer coming up with the policies? Mm. Um, I would say, listen, listen to your employees, listen to your, like people need to kind of start communicating, um, get, get more accustomed to communicating and establishing um, establishing comfort but I think it, it's hard to do that without communication because one thing that I really took away from the pandemic was the way that administration and like systems of power were just not in line or in congruence with with the people mm -hmm. and didn't make the people feel safe which is why nobody wants to go back to work right. which is why you know nobody wants to go back into these spaces you know of just being uncomfortable. Um, so I think collaboration and I think creating plans that are actual plans that are solid and consistent so that people can feel comfortable, safe and valued. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a big thing. It's not, it, it definitely is safety. It's definitely, you know, people want to be able to know that they're going someplace and they're not going to be placing themselves or their family at harm. But also people want to know that they're valued, that they're not just a body there. And that's the thing that I think was a takeaway from a lot of the policies that were put into place and these um, mandates and restrictions. It never left anyone feeling like anyone really, like no one cared. Right. Mm hmm mm hmm mm hmm yeah, I think it definitely made people feel disposable and made it feel like there weren't really going to be, you know, any changes. I mean, this should have been a huge, you know, wake up lesson thinking about the massive amounts of loss versus, you know, people thinking about profits and this and that, you know, and not really caring, you know, about, um, 
you know, their employees at all. And so I do think we kind of move past, and I'm just going to plug right now, we need to do an episode on white supremacy culture because, yeah. you know, that's a whole nother thing. But the reason I bring it up is because it's these norms and standards, you know, based in whiteness, they're assumed to be universal. And so mm. those in power are assumed to know what's best for those who have least power within the organization. And so I agree mm-hmm. with Sonika, there needs to be more listening, more comprehending, not only listening, but are, what are you taking away from what this person's saying? How can we put this into action? Um, you know, I also think, you know, again, you know, there are many of us who are not as privileged or some people who have to go back to work or go back to jobs where they don't feel valued, you know, and, and thinking about what feels within your control you know, what feels safer for you? What can you focus on um, to help you protect yourself? I think connecting back to our values, you know, how do we think about what is an important value within our life and how do we use that to guide our decisions? You know, right. and, and also mm. if it's a work environment that's, you know, unhealthy or toxic, how do we rebuild a life outside of work? You know, mm-hmm. how do we find those pockets of, you know, meaningful work, you know? Um, and when I say meaningful work, not talking about what capitalism thinks is work, which is, you know, being productive, creating profits for, you know, all these people, but really, what are the things, you know, that feel important to you that you want to connect to, you know, that might be outside of work? That's, that's awesome advice. And I think that <clears throat> we may have talked about happiness not being centered in work in the past but I think if nothing else from 2020 we've learned that we definitely have to have separate lives and identities from that title and that workplace um, and that check Mm -hmm. for sure absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah I'd love to hear what's next because um, I know that your practices have been thriving during this time so what what do you view as next? What do you what do you have cooking? Hmm. Ajwa. Um, what I have cooking is rest. <laughs> <laughs> Put that in the oven 350 degrees. Okay. Woo! Um, no, but I've been and, and both of you know I've really been connecting with yoga and the eight limbs of yoga. So the physical practice of it, meditation, breath work. Um, and so I'm wanting to think about how can I integrate that into my therapeutic work. It's made me think a lot about our bodies and how we're functioning in ways that are out of sync with our bodies. And so hoping to kind of do a group or workshops around that. Definitely want to collaborate with Sarinka um, and doing an integrative wellness series um, centered yes. for, you know, um, Black women and Black femmes. Um, and so that's, you know, those are some things. And then really just coming back to, um, you know, trying to rethink success within my practice that's outside of like capitalism and white supremacy culture. Because I think if we focus so much on the outcome and how much money am I making and this and that and that, it just, I know it just feels, I think it was Yusuf who was saying this, it's like capitalism is not designed for our healing, you know, and we want to do healing work. And I'm trying to think, okay, how can I do healing work where I'm taking care of my bills, where I feel like I'm being ethical, where I feel like I'm doing good work with my clients, but also preserving some space for me so that I'm not completely drained at the end of the day. You know, and so I've just been really trying to think of what are other markers of success that I can use in thinking about my practice. Absolutely. We're here to support that for sure. Thanks, love. Thanks, (laughs) lovies.
<laughs> and Sarenka. I mean, I agree with Adjua. I That's the same wave that I'm on because I think that the more that I've given myself space and, and to understand what stillness is, like and experience it myself, I'm able to impart that in ways that are like make sense to, you know, the clients that I work with. So I want to be able to maintain that balance because I need to be present for them and I want to be present for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't want capitalism to seep into it. I don't want functional anxiety to be ruling me where I'm, you know, not as present as I could be. And then I'm telling people to be present. I can't tell people to do things that I'm not embodying myself. And it's hard to do that within the system, but creating that balance is, is so important. And I think curating, you know, is really important. And I think what I would like to do is um, continue to work in my private practice and find creative ways of um, actually being there for people who may not be able to afford it or being there for people in maybe more dynamic ways, maybe not as therapy, but like with workshops, you know, our wellness series, um, doing retreats and doing workshops and doing meetings and doing groups and just creating more space for conversations, for shared stories, for sharing information and imparting knowledge and definitely tapping into our ancestral roots so that can also lead us in the path that we need to go in because you know there's certain goals that I have for myself in my practice but then I also have to recognize that I'm not doing work for myself I'm doing it for the collective mm. and I need some space and stillness for the collective to lead me to where I need to be that needs to be on a t-shirt Girl. <laughs> I'm sitting here and I felt it all the way. I know. Soul. I was like, that collective spirit done hit me in my chest. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to do the good work. I want to do the good work mm-hmm. of you know what of our ancestors. And I don't think we can tap into what they need from us if we're not present, you know. Mm-hmm. Um so so being able to expand this in a way where I could touch as many lives as possible and, and as best as possible through series, through workshops, you know, through these podcasts, you know, it's 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 just beautiful. And I just want to continue doing that because it makes it it makes a difference. It makes such a huge difference. Absolutely. And I am very appreciative of your gems and your vulnerability tonight. Um Uh, I've learned a lot and I'm hoping that folks can continue to learn from you both. So let us know where we can find you. Dr. Ose. Yes. So um, my website is my name and my degree. So it's Adwa, A-D-J-O-A-O-S-E-I-P-S-Y-D.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Dr. Period, Adwa, A-D-J-O-A. Osei, O-S-E-I. Awesome. And Sarenka, do you want to tell us one more time? Yes, you can find me on Instagram at drdr.sarenka, S-U-R-R-E-N-C-A. And also I have a website. It's um, bellavivewellnessservices.com. That's B-E-L-L-A-V-I wellnessservices.com. Great. Well, I am definitely looking forward to having you both back. Um, I think this was just the tip of the iceberg um, in terms of our conversations on how to continue to, you know, work outside of the white supremacist system to make sure that we are well, but our collective is also well. So thank you all so much.
You're welcome. You. It was such a pleasure to me to, to have the opportunity to talk to you ladies. As always, it just feels good to have these spaces and I appreciate the fact that, you know, we were able to get together and have this conversation. It's just so meaningful. Mm-hmm. There's something about when uh, Black women come together. that was pure magic (laughs) thank you dr osei and dr albert so so grateful to not only call you friends but to have had your experience and your gems on uh, jane transit if uh, you all want to follow please find them on instagram that is Dr. So Dr. Dot Ajua Ose and Dr. That's Dr. Dot Serenka, also on Instagram. Uh, be sure to rate my podcast uh, on your favorite streaming platform. And I'd love to hear, you know, what you thought of this episode, um, previous episodes, and most importantly, if there's something that I'm not talking about, please let me know. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.